Welcome to Destination Debrief, your deep dive on all the best places to eat, play, and stay in incredible locations around the world. Hosted by travel experts from modern travel agency Fora, Destination Debriefs are designed to inspire wanderlust and kickstart travel planning. Okay, hello everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to dive right into this Destination Debrief on Tokyo. So my name is Brian Lonergan. I am the in-house bookings manager at Fora Travel. And today we're going to be covering one of my favorite destinations in the world, Japan and its capital, specifically Tokyo. So Tokyo is obviously in the travel news a lot. It is extremely popular these days. The travel is coming back with a vengeance. Japan, as most of you know, due to COVID, out of any country in the world, it was a little bit over two and a half years. So March of 2020 to October I think it was October of 2022. So a very long border closure. Nobody got to go there, during which time a lot of interesting hotel openings happened. So the hospitality industry did not pause uh, during the border closure. Um, on the contrary, uh, a ton of interesting new hotels opened, a lot of which we're going to cover today. Japan is booming. Everybody's getting a lot of inquiries from their clientele. You know, it was a very popular destination in 2019 and, and the first couple months of 2020 before the shutdown. And it's back and bigger, badder than ever. It's projected to reach about US 40 billion in travel spend uh, this year. So the numbers are pretty much back to pre pandemic and it's a booming destination. It's a challenging one. Okay, so why Tokyo? First and foremost, logistics, practicality. Most trips for North American travelers are going to start there. Some will also end there. We'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. And Tokyo, I mean, how can we describe Tokyo for anybody that hasn't been? It is overwhelming in a good way, but still overwhelming. It is unfathomably large. You could spend a lifetime there and, you know, not get too far past the surface. And it's the gateway for everything that Japan offers. So amazing ancient traditions, thousand year old temples, those are, you know, not so many of those left in Tokyo anymore. But uh, you can get hints of what you'll see elsewhere in the country, amazing technology, transportation, restaurants, I think, you know, Tokyo has one of the highest concentration of Michelin star restaurants out of any city in the world. And yeah, so it's it's got everything that people look for in a travel destination. When to visit? I put here um, late March, early April. I, I noted that this is the conventional wisdom. If you were to ask me, I would say avoid late March, early April at all costs because it is just bonkers crowded and it's, you know, it's the opposite of that kind of zen, serene <laughs> Japan experience might, one might think of. So when else to go? October, November, um, second half of October into November for good autumn weather. I usually tell people Tokyo is similar in climate to Washington, D.C. So yeah, springtime cherry blossoms. And then, you know, October, November is pretty decent fall weather. And one note here that, yeah, September, October can see typhoons. They don't always or often hit Tokyo. Um, they tend to hit, you know, southern islands, Okinawa, sometimes Western Japan, but it is possible to get them in Tokyo or feel the, the effects of them in Tokyo. One other thing I'll put in here for when to visit, I'm just back from Tokyo. I went in late January 
And I think that the second half of uh, January is one of the best times of the whole year to go. It's not too cold, at least for me, but, you know, mid 40s to upper 40s. Even I had some days, you know, in the low 50s in Tokyo when I was there in January. So that to me is is pretty pleasant weather for, you know, walking around outside. Again, not for everybody, maybe. You can go skiing up in Niseko if you want to add that on to the Tokyo trip. You've got sumo tournament. So there's lots of things that make the second half of January one of the best times to go. How long to stay? Again, you could stay there for a year and, you know, still be scratching the surface. If you really want to do a deep dive, five to seven days is not too much. If Tokyo is the starting point for a larger trip, usually it's going to be three days, four nights at the start, sometimes a night or two at the end of the trip as well. So we can talk about that. Location and getting there. Two airports, Haneda International and Narita International. You want Haneda, if at all possible. Other things being equal, Haneda is much closer to the city center. It's a terrific, you know, first rate, first class, first world international airport. And it's about 25 minutes from uh, by car from a lot of the hotels that we'll be talking about today, as opposed to Narita, which is an hour plus um, outside. Narita has good public transport op option in the Narita Express, but Haneda is still preferred. Tokyo Station is insane. It's a lot of fun just to walk around there and kind of see how um, insanely busy it is. And for all that, you know, for all the attention that Tokyo Station gets, Shinjuku, a little bit out to the west, is actually even busier. And I read recently that it's the world's busiest, something like between 3 and 3.5 million passengers use Shinjuku Station every day. So it's, it's a pretty crazy <laughs> train station, a city unto itself. I don't recommend a car in, in Tokyo or, I don't know, m most of Japan, but certainly not in Tokyo because the public transportation is amazing. Japan, JR East has the Yamanote line. This is a circle line that goes around central Tokyo and is very convenient to get from I mean, Shibuya to Shinjuku, you know, down to Shinagawa, up to Chiyoda, which is near the Imperial Palace Park right in the middle there. So that's a great, that's a great public transportation option. And then the Tokyo Metro and the Toei subline are two subway lines in the city that get you anywhere you need to go and usually pretty quickly. Let's get into it. Recommended hotels. Um, what's coming up? Janu Tokyo. This is really exciting. Janu is the younger sister brand of Aman Resorts for those that, that haven't heard of it yet. So Janu is accepting reservations from March 13th. And it's very different from Amon Resorts in, in some key ways, which we'll talk about. And then the Tokyo Edition Ginza uh, is coming later this year. There's already a Ginza in Toronomon, where the Andaz is, and there will be a second one. So the Editions like Tokyo, and Tokyo likes the Editions. So that's another one to have on your radar. All right, we're going to start in the Shibuya and Shinjuku neighborhoods. Tokyo, one thing I just want to note about Tokyo is there is... In my opinion, there is no one downtown or one central business district. There are lots of central business districts. And Shinjuku is this interesting case of a business district that is also, you know, at night turns onto a neon lit cityscape and there's, you know, pachinko parlors and, and ramen shops and all that. And Shibuya is kind of the the epitome of kind of the artsy, youthful, you know, you're, you've got Harajuku and the Harajuku girls and local shops and all that stuff. So it's, it's Shibuya has a very vibrant street level city life, I would say. So Kimpton, Shinjuku, Tokyo, 
This is one of the many hotels that opened during COVID. I saw it on my trip last month and absolutely loved it. It's interestingly located across the street from the Park Hyatt Tokyo, which we'll talk, we'll mention a little bit later, but it's about to close for an extensive renovation. And Kimpton is kind of sliding in in its place as the top option in the Shinjuku neighborhood. It is uh, part of the IHG brand. It's just got a very beautiful, you know, slightly minimal, but Japanese room product design. There are connecting options for families. Again, you know, there's, there's a scene, there's kind of a social scene here that is, is really nice. And a lot of Tokyo hotels don't have. This is a great option in Shinjuku. I would say, you know, with the Park Hyatt closing for renovation, perhaps the top option, and we'll eagerly await the, the Park Hyatt renovations when it reopens. But Kimpton, great option in Shinjuku. Trunk Hotel Yoyogi Park. This, I saw this as well on my trip last month. Really lovely property. If anybody is familiar with the original Trunk Hotel in Shibuya, which they now call Cat Street, Trunk Hotel Cat Street. I've stayed at the Trunk Hotel Cat Street before, and I had a tour of Yoyogi Park on my trip last month. And what I, the thing that occurred to me was, you know, Trunk Hotel Cat Street, the original is where you go to party, and Trunk Hotel Yoyogi Park is where you go to detox. So this has a great location right on the edge of Yoyogi Park. This is a huge expanse of greenery in central western Tokyo. It's where the Meiji Shrine is located. So if you're staying here at Trunk Hotel Yoyogi Park, you've got about a 10-minute walk to the Meiji Shrine, which is really great. Also about a 10 to 15 minute walk to Shibuya Parko, which is a new, you know, a new fancy shopping mall with excellent Japanese boutiques. And there's an anime floor and there's a Pokemon store and um, there's cool independent fashion labels and all that. It's kind of indicative of everything that Shibuya is these days. And it's a short walk away. And so this is pretty minimal. Again, their theme is urban recharge. You know, this is, again, they, they, it's good for families. Um, one of my friends who has his own Japan company took his toddler daughter there recently and said they had a great stay. When I was on my tour, I saw strollers, you know, parked here and there. So they do welcome families. It's, it's not a party hotel like the original trunk was. And it's a really good option in a great location now. Okay, Ginza. Um, lots of people know Ginza or have heard of Ginza. This is the fancy luxury upscale shopping district. Location is a little bit east of the Imperial Palace in central Tokyo. If you went just a little bit to the west, you'd see Tokyo Station and Imperial Palace Park. Yeah, and so Ginza is really, you know, you've got your high-end international luxury um, shopping uh, brands. You've got department stores, which are, Japanese department stores are amazing, and they've got this basement food hall each all of them have this basement food hall which is a really delight to just walk through and buy things and sample things and so you've got some really prominent department stores here and lots of high-end dining too so you know if people are staying at hotels in the area and they want some really nice dining you know michelin star tempura more michelin star sushi restaurants that you can count so there's a there's a real concentration of them here in ginza the one hotel that we're putting here for Ginza is the Hyatt Centric, which is a bit of a mismatch with 
the kind of luxury, you know, uber luxury atmosphere of the rest of the neighborhood. But some of the other hotels that we'll talk about are a stone's throw away. But this is the one that's right smack dab in the middle of Ginza. And it's actually a great hotel. Um, I've long said that the Hyatts do amazing work in Japan. The rooms tend to be pretty artsy. It's very informal. Um, if anybody knows the Hyatt-centric brand, it's casual. You know, check-in is very casual. You don't have a central reception desk. People are in polo shirts or, you know, T-shirts and, and blazers. Depending on the time of year you go, it's you get a very good bang for the buck. You can get a very good bang for the buck at the Hyatt-centric Ginza. And it's literally, you walk out the door, it's on this quiet side street, and you've got amazing restaurants up and down the block and department stores and high-end shopping, you know, around the corner. Nihonbashi, this is a neighborhood, again, you know, this is one of the, one of many central business districts. This is a little bit to the north and east of Tokyo Station. So it's very convenient for people going to or getting off the bullet train, Tokyo Station. You know, it's, this is, uh, it's a business district, lots of skyscrapers, towers, but also museums and, and great dining and bars. Manor until Tokyo. This is one of the older five-star options in Tokyo, but got a room renovation during COVID, which I was really happy to see. If you see this picture here, it definitely did not used to look like this when I stayed there. It was much darker. It was, you know, the, the room product was getting a little bit old and they've updated it and brightened it, lightened it. And I was really happy to see that because this is traditionally a great option, impeccable service, one of the most dramatic check-ins of any hotel in the world, probably this, you know, two-story, 40th floor, you know, overview, overlooking the whole world. And the spa is renowned for those views too. Minato and Rapongi. So again, pretty central. Uh, if you see Minato City here, this is a little bit, I guess that would be south of Tokyo Station. This is also going to be in the area where Azabudai Hills which is a new development where the Janu Tokyo Hotel is going to be, is still being developed, but it's, you know, it's pretty close to opening or parts of it are open already. Let's go on to the hotels. So Janu, again, this is one of the things we're most excited about in Tokyo this year. It is the younger sister of Aman Tokyo. So it's part of the Aman Resorts group. And where the, the Aman brand is kind of, serene and you know there's a there's very much an emphasis on privacy and discretion and not really a great place for family travelers Janu is the opposite of all of that so Janu, they want the families here there's tons of connecting room options they want it to be a more social hotel environment but still having that aman touch you know lots of clean lines squares rectangles a little bit more personality than uh, your typical room in Amman. Um, not quite so minimal. Still with that, you know, unparalleled service. So, Janu, really excited about it. This is, I'd mentioned it before, this is in a new development called Azabudai Hills. Just like Rapongi Hills was a development of 30 or so years ago, and Tokyo Midtown, these are places where they're, they're cities within a city. They're mixed-use developments, so you've got residential, you've got commercial, You've got hospitality, obviously, Janu, the hotel. Janu has, I think, either eight or nine food and beverage outlets in it. So again, that's another way. It's very different from Aman, Tokyo. Azabudai Hills, yes, you're going to have tons of shopping there. You're going to have outdoor parks and you know green spaces and 
playgrounds for kids and all that. And also of note is that the Team Lab Borderless exhibit is moving to, it might actually be open already. I believe the opening date was sometime during February this year. But Team Lab Borderless, um, Team Lab is this digital art collective. I think they're based in Singapore, but don't quote me on that. But they, you know, kind of pioneered, at least in Japan and Tokyo, these um, immersive digital art experiences. Borderless was their first one. And this is actually going to be a much more convenient location for it. So that's definitely kind of a, a value add for anybody staying in, staying at Janu, Tokyo in Azabudai Hills. Tokyo edition Toronomon. So Toronomon Hills, again, another one of these mini cities within a city. Most of these, a lot of these, I should just point out too, these are tower hotels, skyscraper hotels. So the way it works often with a lot of these in Tokyo is you've got a street level kind of entrance or reception area with the bell desk and all that. And then they send you up in the elevator to the 30th to 40th floor and you do check in and the rooms are there too. So Tokyo edition, um, Tornomon, similar location to the Andas. You know, if you're familiar with the edition brand, you're a fan of the edition brand, you know what you're going to get here. Clientele skews a little bit younger, creative class, similar to Andas, I would say. I know people love it. And the public spaces, the restaurants and bars here are really beautiful. They're really lovely. And I think that's part of it is like, you know, it's not so much about the room here, although it's perfectly lovely and luxurious, but it's more about the public spaces, the gathering spaces, the social spaces that I think is in keeping with the brand. Andas Tokyo, Tora no Mon Hills. So Andaz, you know, luxe lifestyle brand from Hyatt. Fun fact, I stayed here after running the Yokohama Marathon and nursed my knee injury with a big bag of ice in my hotel room and probably a lot of sake too. This is, this is a fun place. You know, it's funky. I would say, you know, it's kind of, you know, creative, artistic design types. Great, again, great social spaces. The lobby bar is kind of the heart of the hotel um, and they have live music there. And, you know, if you, if you picture Lost in Translation, which was at the Park Hyatt Tokyo, I mean, that's kind of the ambiance that um, Andaz Toronomon Hills has recreated at their hotel. And terrific service. You know, the, when I stayed here years ago, you know, I met the management, I spent some time with them at a conference and, you know, they're now at Trunk Hotel and Hyatt Regency in London and so forth. And it's just, it's world-class service. So really great option. Okay, Chiyoda and Otamachi. Now we're getting into some of the, the real heavy hitters here. So Chiyoda, this is, this big green expanse right here is the Imperial Palace Park. So that's what we're talking about uh, when we're talking about Chiyoda. And then on the east side, the Otamachi Station. So that's where the Four Seasons Otamachi is going to be. If you go down and see Yorokcho, that's where the peninsula is. And basically on that stretch between Otamachi Station and Yorokcho Station, you've got some of, you know, this cluster of the, some of the best luxury hotels in the world. This is not for people who want nightlife. On the contrary, this area is very much a business district that empties out at night. Um, when I was there last month and I was too jet lagged, so I didn't go out, but my brother wanted to go out at night and he really had a hard time finding anything open past nine o'clock, you know, to grab a bowl of noodles or, you know, beer and sake. So this is about people who are prioritizing 
the highest level of luxury accommodation and service that Tokyo has to offer. Very, very polished, very sophisticated, really just the, the cream of the crop. Yes, I'm on Tokyo. I mean, look at this room. It's just gorgeous. Those stone floors are heated. I've long said that I think, you know, Amon resorts, although they were kind of late to come to Japan um, relative to their other locations around Asia and the world, I think Amon resorts and Japan are just a natural, uh, just such a natural pairing. And I think it has to do with Japanese, traditional Japanese aesthetics and Amon's minimalism really dovetail nicely. And, you know, there's a lot of if you know what a ryokan, a traditional ryokan looks like, Japanese countryside in, there's a lot of that influence in the Amon design. So it's really terrific. Four Seasons Tokyo at Otomachi. This was probably one of the biggest surprises and highlights of my trip last month. I took the elevator up to the 39th floor and my jaw hit the ground and it probably didn't pick up, <laughs> probably didn't pick it up for the rest of my stay. It is a truly stunning hotel very Japanese. Um, you know, I think sometimes people say, oh, Four Seasons or Ritz-Carlton or, you know, it's just an international brand and it could be anywhere. It could be Singapore. Definitely not Four Seasons Otomachi. Very Japanese, just beautiful design. The service there is second to none. Um, you know, it's on the level of Palace Hotel Tokyo, which I've long said is is the best service in the world. Just they've done an incredible job here. Beautiful restaurants, Mount Fuji views on a clear day. So this is really, it's kind of the one to beat in Tokyo these days. Palace Hotel Tokyo, love, love, love. This is my home away from home when I'm there. This is an elegant hotel, a classy hotel. The service is just, as I said, second to none. Location for me can't be beat. You're on the outer moat of the Imperial Palace Park. And amazing restaurants, um, the Japanese breakfast here. I tell everybody, I have clients there right now. Get the Japanese breakfast at the Palace Hotel Tokyo. You'll thank me later. It's really great. People stay here. People work here and stay there and don't leave because they treat their employees so well. A fun fact is when the hotel closed for three years for a complete knockdown and rebuild, they either paid their employees part-time, I think, or they farmed them out to other hotels so they could work during that closure and then brought them back when the hotel reopened. So this is a great, it's just one of the best hotels in Tokyo, in Japan, in the world. We love the palace. Peninsula Hotel. This is one of the original luxury hotels and international brands in Tokyo. Great location, fantastic service. I believe it opened in 2006 or 2007. And I don't know that it's been renovated recently. I'm sure they're always doing, you know, some soft renos and touch-ups. Um, okay, I'm going to try and go through the rest of this pretty quickly because I, I know I could go on forever about Japan. Uh, honorable mentions here in neighborhoods, Shimokitazawa. This is, these are kind of near each other, the first two, Shimokitazawa and Nakameguro. These are younger neighborhoods, you know, great local shopping. Nakameg has um, one of the best cherry blossom viewing areas along their canal there. Yeah, very trendy um, Shimokitazawa for vintage shopping. Akihabara, um, sometimes you'll hear it called Akiba. This is the anime and manga mecca. Japanese subcultures like Spirited Away. Yeah, this is pachinko parlors and anime stores and manga malls and, um, you know, cosplay. All of that is here. 
So that's a really interesting neighborhood to explore on foot. There's not really, you know, a deluxe hotel product right there. It's fine. You don't need it. You've got so many other options, but a very good, interesting place to explore. And then other hotels in Tokyo that we really like, but didn't get to today. K5, this is a design hotel. Um, Sophia from our team stayed there, I believe, last year and absolutely loved it. This is in the same area as the Mandarin Oriental, so Nihonbashi. Okura Hotel Tokyo, great hotel at really good prices most of the time. It's excellent, very Japanese. Google the lobby of the Okura Hotel Tokyo. It's not the original, but they replicated it down to you know the carpet fibers and it is a masterpiece it is really exceptional one note about the okura is you do want there's two wings there there's the heritage wing and the tower you want the heritage wing for leisure travelers bulgari hotel tokyo opened less than a year ago i saw it it's pretty stunning very central it's across the street from tokyo station it's very italian too so i think you know maybe more of their clientele is japanese travelers looking for that taste of italy but a really great new option in central Tokyo. Prince Gallery Kyoicho, this is a great four and a half star, eh, let's call it a five star option that very often you get for you know slightly lower prices. Terrific hotel. Hoshinoya Tokyo, Conrad. Conrad is down by the bay, but it's a, it's a classic. Shangri-La Tokyo literally abuts Tokyo Station. So um, it's, you know, location is hard to beat. And then Park Hyatt, we mentioned, is about to shut down for a year-long renovation. And that, I imagine, is going to be spectacular based on what they've done in Kyoto and up in Niseko. All right, top tips. I threw this in here quickly, but if you had one day, uh, I would highly recommend this kind of sequence that I mentioned. Meiji Shrine, Yoyogi Park, Omote Sando Street with the, you know all this amazing architecture and retail. The side streets of Harajuku, which branch off from Omote Sando and the Nezu Museum and, you know, it's a collection of Japanese antiquities and it's amazing Japanese garden. If you had one day, that gives you a little bit of everything that Tokyo has to offer. If you have two days, maybe add Azabudai Hills, the new Team Lab Borderless. Go eat and drink to your heart's content there, do some shopping, enjoy the outdoor spaces and see what that new city within a city is like. Um, and if you have three days, day trip to Kamakura. This is about an hour-ish south of Tokyo. And if you had somebody on a three or four day, you know, layover in Tokyo after some other trip, you could have them go down to Kamakura and experience a bit of what they would get in Kyoto in terms of these thousand-year-old Zen temples. It's a, this giant Buddha statue. Uh, it's a really, really lovely small city, small town even, with some tremendous ancient uh, heritage, and it's only an hour outside of Tokyo. Great starting point for Greater Japan. You know, most trips are going to start here. A lot of them will end here too, or, or should end here. I think that, like I said at the start, Tokyo is it's unfathomably large. It is, it's just a crazy city. And, you know, you could spend a lifetime there and really only begin to scratch the surface. And so if you have, you know, three nights there at the start of the trip, it's, you know, and you're jet lagged and it's, it can be nice to go back there later at the end of the trip and really experience it after, you know, you're fully on Japanese time and you've kind of gotten your sea legs a little bit and have time to explore a little bit more and, and kind of appreciate a little bit more. There's another practical reason why trips might want to end in Tokyo and that's for luggage forwarding. 
Japan has this amazing system of luggage forwarding, and you can ship your bags ahead overnight to your next destination, and you don't have to bring them on the trains with you. There's typically pretty limited space for luggage on bullet trains. If you're traveling for a while in Japan and you've got a lot of luggage, or you've bought heavy coffee table books, as I tend to do, you can ship that all ahead. What you can't do is ship ahead the night before to an airport, but you can to a hotel. So if you've got that second call in Tokyo at the end of the trip, ship your luggage ahead, bring backpack, duffel bag, whatever day bag you use for the train travel, and you'll be really thanking their advisor. So thank you so much. And uh, next week, it's going to be Kelly and Leslie returned from Morocco. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for tuning in. If we've inspired some daydreaming for your next trip, reach out to a Fora advisor today to customize and book your dream trip. Don't forget to follow and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode where we'll break down another in-demand travel destination.